All right, welcome to John Borman Evangelism Ministry, and I just loaded up for Anchor, so you should be able to hear it through Spotify and through iTunes, and I'm getting ready to click onto YouTube, so you can be able to watch this video later on John Borman Evangelism Ministry at YouTube, and pretty soon you're going to see me go live on Facebook. And I gotta get my devices together. Alright, last thing I gotta do is I gotta click over here through go live. Three, two, one, and run. Welcome back. And I probably said in my last live video that I was probably gonna be about 10 or 9 minutes. So I'm a little bit here sooner than expected. So welcome. Welcome to John Borman Evangelism Ministry, and this is the third video that I have done, and after I get finished with Facebook, it will be uploaded to YouTube, so check out John Borman Evangelism Ministry at YouTube, and what I'll do in the description is I'll provide what other platforms I use for John Borman Evangelism Ministry, and again, welcome. Now, some time ago, we talked about the Book of Life we talked about on how in the book of life that your name can be blotted out according to revelations chapter 3 verse 6 i do believe let me kind of quickly flip over there to kind of verify that i like to be accurate when i'm presenting the word of god so let me kind of flip to revelations chapter 3 and is in verse 5 revelations chapter 3 verse 5 and if you want to go back and look at the first video, and the first video is about Revelation chapter 3, verse 5. Excuse me. And in it, I talk about on how we can lose our salvation. And in Revelation chapter 3, verse 5, it verifies what I just said. And whatever I present here, I want to present it from the Word. And one thing I will be doing is in my YouTube description and in the Facebook description, I will list the passages that I use. So after you get done seeing me and hearing me, you can look at the scripture and verify it for yourself. Now, Revelation chapter 3, verse 5, and this is the church that is in Sardis. And Jesus says to this church, He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life. I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. So what Christ is saying to the church of Sardis and to his church today is that we must follow him. We must obey him. When we say yes to Jesus, that means we abide in him. And Jesus is very clear that those who abide in him will obey his words. Now, there are Christians that will go on believing, and they will go on believing, and they will not follow the Word of God. And they will be like the seed that was planted in the thorns and briars, where the thorns and briars represents the world. And eventually, the world choked out that seed. And when people think that they could go in life serving two masters, eventually, the world will choke the Word of God out of them. And so that's why Christ encourages us to overcome. And the only way we can overcome is by His power and relying on Him. And that's why it's so important for us to get into the Word on a daily basis and to understand it. You know, before the King of James was at, before the King of before the King James Bible came, the Bible was written in Latin. So there was a dark time where common folks did not understand the Word of God. And they would have to go before a Catholic priest. And most of the time, the Catholic priest will, you know, um, the Catholic priest will um, manipulate the Word of God for his own gain. So common folks did not know what was in the Word of God during the Dark Ages. And so William Tyndale, he translated the Bible into English so that everyone can be able to read the Bible. And in America, we have the average of five Bibles per household. And yet at the same time, 
the United States and the Western culture is the Ill most illiterate people when it comes to reading the Bible. And there's really no excuse for it. I mean, we have access to the Bible, and if you cannot get access to the Bible, I promise that you go up before church and ask and say, hey, listen, I don't have a Bible. I'm poor. I don't have any money. Could you please give me a Bible? And I'm sure, and I hope, they'll be gladly to give you a Bible and gladly to minister to you. So, in Revelation chapter 3, verse 5, I just read, and Jesus tells the church of Sardis that if you overcome, I shall give you white garments, and I will not blot out your name from the book of life. Now, we got to understand, how does our name get into the book of life? And that's why I want to talk about being born again. So we are very clear on how we get our name written in the book of life. Our name written in the book of life means that we will spend eternity forever with Jesus. And in the book of Revelation, it's also very clear about who will not get into heaven. In Revelation chapter 20, verses 12 through 15, it says this, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. So we see in verse 12 that John sees books being opened. One is a book of life, and another one is another book. In verse 12, he continues to explain what is in the other book. And he goes, And the dead were judged out of these things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and a death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And now you say, well, who were the ones that was cast into the lake of fire because their names were not written in the book of life? And in the book of Revelation, it explains that even more. In Revelation chapter 21, verse 8, these are the ones that did not have their names written in the book of life, but another book that listed their works. But the fearful and unbelieving now let me stop right there explain something really quick you know if salvation was salvation is for believers and not for unbelievers then i think john could stop right there but he didn't stop right there he listed other things as well along with unbelieving and being fearful but the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable, and murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So, if your name is not written in the book of life, then you will spend eternity in hell. And it's not just for unbelievers that will be spent eternity in hell. But those that practice abdominal things, such as idolatry, homosexuality, witchcraft, and sorcerers and idolaters, and people that practice sin that God tells us not to do, those that continue to practice those things as believers will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Their names will be written out in the book of life. Now, not many pastors will preach from this because is not very popular these days to preach the Word of God. They treat the Word of God like their favorite fast food place where they'll select things that they like. And when you select things that you like, you present a false doctrine. You present heresy, which is once saved, always saved is a false doctrine. I mean, I just read from Revelation chapter 3, verse 5, where it talks about, you know, if you don't overcome, 
their name will be blot out in the book of life. And so when we hear the word of God, we need to hear the word of God. And not only just hear it, we must read it, we must study it, memorize it, and meditate it. I mean, we live in day and age where our goal should be that being experts in the Word of God and knowing what's in the Word of God from Genesis to Revelations so that when we hear a false doctrine, so when we hear something that tickles our ears, we will know and we'll cease to stop listening and we'll get away from it and we'll study the Word of God to show ourselves approved. Now, today I want to focus about being born again. Because being born again is how you get your name written in the book of life. And to teach from there, I'm going to use a really good passage about being born again. And some of you that have been reading the Bible might guess correctly on what passage I will be going to to talk about being born again. And that is John chapter 3. John chapter 3. So right now, I'm going to kind of adjust my notes just a little bit and give you guys time to find it on your devices or if you're like me, you like to use a hard copy. In John chapter 3, in John chapter 3, verses 1 through, 1 through 21. Jesus talks with Nicodemus about being born again. And what I like to do is I like to read a little bit of the introduction in verses 1 and 2. And then I like to talk a little bit about the scenario. And then we'll go into what Jesus tells Nicodemus about how to get to heaven, which is being born again. Beginning John chapter 3, verse 1, and I am reading from the King James Version, and you can use whatever version that you could understand. John chapter 3, verse 1, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi. We know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So Nicodemus presents himself to God during the nighttime. And he did that because he probably did not want to be seen with he did not want to be seen by the other Pharisees. Now the Pharisees was something that was started during the intertestament time. And it exists today as Judaism. And Nicodemus was a respected teacher during the time. And they were the largest and most influential Jewish sects during Jewish section during the New Testament times. And I'd like to quickly point out on the things that they believe in so we can understand where Nicodemus is coming from. They believe in supernatural things like angels and spirits. They believe in mortality of the soul. And they believe the resurrection of the body. And we see that they're different from their other Jewish sects, the Sadducees, that don't believe in the resurrection and don't believe in supernatural things like angels and demons. And we see that in Acts chapter 23, verses 6 through 8. And this was during the time when Paul was brought before the Jewish religion. Paul caused a dispute between them and the Sadducees, another Jewish section. The Pharisees believed in the resurrection and the Sadducees did not. So from the book of Acts, we see a distinction between the Sadducees and the Pharisees. In John chapter 1 verse 3, Nicodemus, a Pharisee, is the one that came to see Jesus during the nighttime. And this is a very cool passage because it's in the Gospel of John only. And the purpose of the Gospel of John is for unbelievers to believe. So for people that want to know how can they have a relationship with Jesus Christ, well, definitely the Gospel of John is a great place for them to start because it will help them see why they could believe in Jesus. Now, 
the timing of this conversation that Nicodemus had with Jesus might have been probably in the first year of Jesus' ministry. And I want us to see how Nicodemus addressed Jesus. In verse 2, Nicodemus tells Jesus, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. And there's a lot of people today that just thinks Jesus as a great teacher and not as a son of God and not of God. And throughout the Bible, especially in the book of John, it testifies that Jesus is the son of God and he is God. I mean, that's one of the reasons why the Jews wanted to execute him because they thought he was being blasphemous because he was declaring that he is God. Now, Jesus was more than a teacher. In John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, John begins his gospel by addressing Jesus' deity. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. So John presents Jesus as God to his readers. It is quite different from the other Gospels. Matthew presents Jesus' genealogy to his Jewish readers to present Jesus as a Messiah to them that God promised them. Mark begins with John the Baptist's ministry. And Luke begins with a prophecy of John the Baptist's birth to Zechariah. John and other letters testify that Jesus was in the beginning, that he did not later become God, and he also did not know who he was until later. So a lot of people think that Jesus later became God, and or later he learned who he was. But the Bible is very clear that it says even while Jesus was in this world, he knew who he was. And Jesus' followers testified that Jesus knew who he was. In Colossians chapter 1, verses 16 through 17, Paul writes, For him were all things created. There are in heaven and there are in earth, visible and invisible. Whether it be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. So Paul testifies that Jesus was in the beginning, and he created all things. And Jesus, in John's gospel, testifies that he is God, which is one of the big reasons that made the Jewish people want to kill him. And throughout the Bible, the prophecies point out to Jesus he was in the seed in the Old Testament in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. He is a seed that will bruise the head of the serpent with his heel. He was a seed that came from Abraham and David. He was a Messiah that will come out of the virgin birth. John the Baptist testified, testified about him being the Lamb of God that will be taking away the sins of the world to be its Savior. So we see throughout the Old Testament we see throughout John the Baptist and throughout the New Testament that they testified that Jesus was in the beginning and that he is God. So Jesus is not just a teacher, but he is God. And Nicodemus will see this throughout the time that Jesus is in the world. Now that we see Nicodemus and Jesus getting ready to have a conversation. And in beginning in verse 3, Jesus cuts right to the chase on why Nicodemus came to see Jesus at night. And Jesus said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He cannot see the kingdom of God. That is why Nicodemus came to see Jesus at night. And you notice in the beginning of the conversation that Nicodemus did not say anything about the kingdom of God. But he dressed Jesus as a good teacher. And again, this shows Jesus being God. 
God is all-knowing, and so is Jesus. And we see that when Jesus tells Nicodemus that unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So Nicodemus came to see Jesus at night because he wanted to know about the kingdom of God. Well, Jesus was not only just going to tell him about the kingdom of God. He was going to show Nicodemus on how he can see the kingdom of God. And the way that we see the kingdom of God is that we have to be born again. And we have to have our names written in the book of life, which is the result of being born again. Now, after Nicodemus heard Jesus say that you must be born again, he was still thinking in the physical sense, which is why he responded with two questions. And those two questions are in verse 4. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? So Nicodemus thinks that being born again is by being born again through the physical birth. And he's an old man, as he says. And so he's wondering, how can I be born again when I'm old? And then he follows up with another question. Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born again? And so in verse 5, Jesus explains more on what it means to be born again. Most assuredly, I say to you, Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So what Jesus is saying again is that unless you are not born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. And I'm sorry, hello, fans of thought right there. I had deep thought as I was reading it, and it's a thought that I will definitely say later. So Jesus talks about being born again. In John chapter 1, verses 12 through 13, says, But as many as received him, to them gave he powers, become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the flesh, nor of the will of God, but of God. You see, the only way that we can be born again is by God's grace. God has to lead us to his salvation. We cannot come on our own. And you know, if God did not reveal himself to us with his creation or with his word or not give us a conscience about God existing, we would have never found him. But God wanted us to find him. God wanted us to seek him. And that way we seek him is by through his son, Jesus. Jesus is the only way that we could be born again. And here we see Nicodemus talking to God in the flesh. And God in the flesh being Jesus tells him on how he could be born again. And he tells that we are born again of water and of spirit. Now, to be born of water refers to baptism. Now, before we can be born of baptism, we must repent. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 2, Jesus starts preaching the gospel. And listen to what he says before he says anything about the kingdom of God. He says, Repent ye. For the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus says to repent. That is the first word that he preached in the gospel. He did not talk about water baptism. He did not talk about believing. He didn't talk about bearing fruit. But he talked about repenting. So when we realize that Jesus is who he says he is. And that he is the only way into heaven. We must repent. And repent means to turn away from our sins. You see, after people were born of Adam, they inherit Adam's sin nature. Everybody in this world, other than Jesus, has a sin nature. And they can never overcome their sin nature on their own good works. Which is why Jesus had to come. 
that Jesus had to die for our sins and that his perfect blood was able to wash away our sins, which our good works cannot do at all. So therefore, before we can be baptized, we must repent. We must have a change of mind towards sin. We have to be sorry for our sin towards God, and we have to ask Him to forgive Him for all of our sins. In Acts chapter 5, verse 31, it says, Him hath God exalted with His right hand to be a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. So what that says is that Jesus is a savior because he's the one that could forgive us of our sins. And he's the one that we could confess our sins to. Not to a high priest and not to um, a Catholic priest that declares that he's a father, which is um, biblical and that's blasphemy for a man to declare that he is like God. Only Jesus is God, no other. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 25, talks about, In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, a God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. So again, we have this idea, before we can get baptized, before we go through the process of being born again, we have to repent of our sins. We have to turn away. We have to ask Jesus to forgive us, which is what repentance is. And while we repent, I mean, this should be something before, but while we repent, we must believe in Jesus. In John chapter 3, verse 15, it says that whoever believe in him should not perish, but have eternal life. He that believe on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of Jesus, the only begotten son. Now, after I read verse 15 in John chapter 3, I read 18. So this talks about people that are unbelieving in Jesus. They are condemned. Whereas those who believe in Jesus will not perish. In Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says that, If thou confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So Paul testifies that confessing our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believing in our heart is what saves us. And verse 13 talks about, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So it doesn't matter your ethnic background, your riches level, like your income level. It doesn't matter your status. It doesn't matter what race you are. Because whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God shows no partiality. In the book of Revelation, John sees that every tribe and every tongue were before the Lamb of God and they were worshiping Him. So it's not based upon your outer looks. It's not based upon your intellectual level. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord can be saved. Now, I'm still talking about the first part of being born again, which is born of water. And I spent quite a bit of time on what we should do before we are baptized. Because it's not baptism that saves us. What saves us is that we repent of our sins and we believe in Jesus. We confess with our mouth that He is Lord. Now, baptism does not save us, but it is a command. To enter the kingdom of heaven, you must be born again. You have to be baptized. Acts chapter 2 verses 38 and 41 says this. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one gift of the Holy Spirit. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. So again, we see that people are getting baptized. In Acts chapter 8 verse 12, But when they believed, Philip preached the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. They were baptized, both men and women. So we see that being born again of the water is baptism. Baptism is our public confession. We identify ourselves with Jesus, but it does not save us. What saves us is us believing in Jesus. <coughs> Excuse me. Believing in Jesus.
Now, this is what baptism basically represents right here. And we see that in Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 4. Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ. We're baptized into his death. So when we go under the water, we put the death of our old selves. And when we rise out of the water, we have a new life that we live by the Spirit. You see, the moment that we believe in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes down. And what I'm going to talk about is the second part of being born again, which is born of the Spirit. In John chapter 3, verse 6, it says, That which is born of flesh is flesh. So in other words, the physical body gives birth to the physical body. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So in my context, in the King James Version, verse 6 capitalizes spirit. And then after it is, it lowercases the letter spirit. So whenever the Spirit's capitalized like that, it's either referred to the Spirit of God or the Holy Spirit. And when it's in lowercase, it most likely refers to our spirit. So being born again, is we have to be born of the water, and we have to be born of the Spirit. And when we believe in Christ, the Holy Spirit comes into us and regenerates our spirit that was dead. You see, when Adam disobeyed God, he did die and he died in spirit his spirit was dead and people born after adam had dead spirit except for christ and being born again when we receive the holy spirit the holy spirit regenerates our spirit regenerates our spirit and of the spirit which is born of the spirit John the Baptist testified to this before he baptized Jesus and before Jesus began his public ministry. Luke chapter 3 verse 16 says, John answered, saying unto them all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I cometh, the latches of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire now in the upper room a night before his death jesus told them that he was going back to the father to prepare a place for them and he told them that he will not leave them as orphans but he will send the holy spirit and the holy spirit came on the day of pentecost and the holy spirit comforts comforted them he taught them all things he helped them remember what Jesus taught. And when we are brought before our persecutors, it's the Holy Spirit that testifies about Jesus. And through the Holy Spirit, it condemns unbelievers for sins. It proves what is right. And it will judge Satan. Now, if you want to read about what I just said about the Holy Spirit, if you go from John chapter 14 and up to about John chapter 16 or 17, you could read about Jesus testifying to the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit will do for us. Now, his disciples received the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Therefore, the disciples of Jesus were baptized with water and with the Holy Spirit. Being born, of, being born again of water and spirit are part of of the great commission you know it's part of the great commission because when we share christ with others which christ commands us to do and when people believe they will receive the holy spirit their spirit will be regenerated and they'll be baptized as a public confession and they too will continue on the work of christ in the great with the great commission now some people are very confused when we talk about spirit, soul, and body. And I want to eliminate that confusion. And to eliminate that confusion, we need to go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. And God talked to the Thessalonians on how God gives us peace. And you'll see the three parts that makes us is in this. 
and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So in Paul's letter, we see him list spirit, soul, and body. He did not just list... Oh, excuse me, there's a little vacuum going on there. That's all right, we'll deal with it. Paul did not just list body and soul, and he did not just list body and spirit. He lists spirit, soul, and body. Now, the Greek word for body is soma, and it refers to flesh. And 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1 uses that. For we know if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. So our body is going to be destroyed. Our body is going to fade away. But it's our soul that lives on. Soul is a material part of man. That is where our thinking and our emotion lies. And when we die, it's our soul that will either go to heaven or it will go to hell. Now, our spirit is a thing. Our spirit and our body is what the Holy Spirit regenerates. In John chapter 3, verse 6, it says, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, gives birth to our spirit. And it's through our soul that we decide, are we going to follow our spirit or are we going to walk according to the flesh? Now, our spirit conflicts with our flesh. And we see it at Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 17. It says, This I say then, Walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. And Paul shows that our spirit and flesh battles with one another. And it's within our soul that we decide whether we're going to walk in the Spirit or we're going to walk in the flesh. And so that's why people wonder, like, even after they get saved, even after they're born again, they still sin. And it's not that their spirit that is sinning, but they are sinning with their flesh. But sinning with our flesh should not justify why we should continue sinning, but we need to repent daily. We need to turn away from our sins. So that's very wise for us to spend time in prayer, spend time in the Word, and spend time worshiping God. Because those three things right there will transform us daily. And we'll have more discernment. And we'll see, why am I sinning? You know, it could be I'm looking at something I should not be looking on the internet. I'm reading or watching something I should not be doing. I'm listening to something that's not really good for my spirit. And so when we identify these things through our spirit, then it's our soul that's going to decide, okay, Am I going to continue down this line and go away from Christ and lose my salvation? Or am I going to walk in the Spirit? Or am I going to walk in the Spirit? So, when we are born again, when we are believing in Christ, Christ is sanctified. He's continuing to work in us. But He's not going to force Himself onto us. Just like with a rich young ruler. You know, the rich young ruler wanted to follow Jesus. And he thought he could based upon who he was. And it was his pride that kept him away. And he could not give up his pride, so he walked away from Jesus. And just like when Jesus talks about him being the bread of life, there were many disciples that departed from him. And you notice that through those two examples that he did not force himself. He didn't chase him down. He didn't change his message. Or he didn't say, oh, I'm sorry, you know, was it too hard for you? Oh, did I say something wrong where you had to give up your thing? Oh, no, 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 you don't have to give this coming. No, no, he did not do it. He let them go. He just lets them go. And so we do. When we decide we don't want to follow Jesus and won't go our own way, he's just going to let us go, you know. And some people think that, oh, I could walk away from Jesus. I come back later. No, no. 
it does most times it doesn't work like that because usually when people have the taste of the spirit and go away most likely they don't come back you know and so that's why it's so important for us to live in the spirit and not in the flesh and so we have to do all we can to follow christ now understand is not by our works that saves us it's not by our works at all understand that we are saved by the blood of jesus the blood of Jesus saves us. It sanctifies us daily. And so when we decide daily, I'm going to believe in Jesus. I'm going to follow him. Jesus is continuing to sanctify us. He's continuing to sanctify us. As we walk with Christ, as the word of God reveals things in our lives that we should not be doing, then we need to make a decision on are we going to follow God or are we going to continue to eat manna? And so the Bible is very clear. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. No man can serve two masters. He can't serve God and bread. He's got to choose one or the other. And a lot of Christians think that they could eat bread and serve God. And they're like that seed that was planted in the thorns and briars, where they think they could continue to believe in God. Eventually, the thorn and briars chokes the word of God out of them. And when the word of God is choked out of them, then the their names in the book of life gets blotted out. Remember, Revelation chapter 3, verse 5, Jesus tells the church of Sardis, He that overcomes, I will not blot out their name in the book of life. So how do we have our name in the book of life? By being born again. People that have their names written in the book of life are born again. And so when they get this blotted out, that means that they are not obeying God. They are not keeping his commands. They're not abiding in him. And Jesus is very clear that those that do not abide in him, those that do not bear fruit while abiding in him, those branches will be cut off and they will be thrown in fire. And there where we see the Bible say be thrown in fire, that refers to hell. So now thank God. Thank God for his mercy. Thank God for his mercy. Thank God for his grace that he has given to us. God is a very patient God. And so we should not take our salvation for granted. And we should be continuing into the word. We should pray. We should be living in our spirit. And we should be focused on making our spirit strong. You know, before I surrendered myself to God, I was a personal trainer. So I understood uh, what makes the body strong, like eating the right foods and exercising. And when you do those things, your body will transform. It will become stronger. Now, this is the physical sense. In the spiritual sense, when we are born again, what makes us strong is with prayer. I mean, pray daily. Pray daily. Pray always. Pray, pray, pray. And then read His Word. Understand His Word. All the things that we do for God must be based upon His Word. And we should not be going to God in our own way like the Israelites did in the wilderness with the golden calf. And we should be worshiping God. We should not just be worshiping God on Sunday or certain special days. We should live a lifestyle of worship. And so when we are feeding ourselves with worship, we're feeding ourselves with the Word, and we're feeding ourselves with prayer, our spirit grows stronger and stronger, and it starts diluting all the things that causes us to stumble. It starts cutting those things away. And so our flesh is weakened, and our spirit is strong. And that takes a lifetime, you know. This earth is meant to prepare for us for eternity. So therefore, we must be born again so we can be born of the water, receive the Holy Spirit, and live our lives in the Spirit. Now, when we live our lives in the Spirit, it's just most naturally for the fruit to bear. I mean, it's like, I go plant a tree, I got good soil, and I'm giving water. In time, it's going to bear good fruit. Especially if you have good sunlight, it's going to bear fruit. And when we abide in Jesus with his word, and it's just only natural for the Holy Spirit to bear good fruit in us. Therefore, it's by the work of Christ that transforms us. But we have to be willingly to obey him. I mean, if we're not willing to obey him, then we're disobeying Christ. And we're not bearing the fruit like we should be. And therefore, we must bear fruit. 
In Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 through 23, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And these are things that are the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. There is no law. Now, how do we know that we're children of God? I mean, a child of God is born again. A child of God has his name written in the book of life. In Romans chapter 8, verse 16 says, The Spirit, and again, the Spirit, the word Spirit, the S is capitalized, refers to the Holy Spirit. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So, our spirit bears witness to the Holy Spirit, and together they declare that we are children of God. When we are children of God, we are born again, and our name is in the book of life, and it will not be blotted out. Now, in the spirit, we pray in our spirit. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So Paul is telling church Ephesians that when we praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, in the spirit, we pray in the spirit. Our spirit prays in the spirit with the Holy Spirit. Now, we abide in Christ and our spirit. When we we abide in Christ and our spirit. In John chapter 15, verse 7, it says, If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. So, when we are in our spirit, we abide in Christ. It's our spirit that leads us and reminds us. Therefore, we are born again by water with baptism and by the Holy Spirit when it regenerates our spirit. We receive the Holy Spirit when we believe in Christ Jesus that will give birth, that will regenerate our spirit. Therefore, in order to get your name in the book of life, you must be born again of water and spirit. Now, this concludes today's message about being born again. And I would like to thank you for taking the time to watching and listening. And this will be uploaded on YouTube. So if you want to check it out later or share with others. And it's about sharing Christ with us. This is what it's all about. And thank God that we live in the 21st century today. And that with the internet, and I know with the internet, there's a lot of bad things. And you know what? The printing press print a lot of bad things like pornography. However, with the printing press, it also printed the Word of God. And it allowed people to have access to the Word of God. And so the internet gives access to people and get and provides an opportunity to read, listen, and hear the Word of God. And it's all about sharing Christ with people. And that's what we're called to do, to share the gospel. And it's Christ that changes people. And I pray and hope that when people hear Christ through these words, that their lives will be changed. And we can only be born again with the blood of Jesus. And we believe in Christ. We confess with his mouth that he is Lord. He is faithful. He is just. He is patient. And he doesn't take away his promises. And when you're born again and you messed up, and just remember, hey, God loves us. God's merciful. Just go before God. Say, Lord, I'm sorry. And allow the Holy Spirit to examine you to see where or what causes you to sin. And remove it. Just get rid of it. You know, earlier this year, I was really, really into Netflix. I was really into Hulu, Amazon. And I could probably tell you uh, what's the good shows on there. But I was wasting a lot of my time. And I repented of God. I was like, God, I'm sorry for wasting my time. And all the things I watched, all the things I put before my eyes, all that darkness, it was not good for my soul. And I knew it, you know. A lot of things with like Netflix, Hulu, Disney, or whatever, it just promotes secularism and Satanism. It just promotes idolatry, it promotes witchcraft, it promotes sorcery, it promotes homosexuality. 
and it's not good for a Christian to watch or hear and it what causes us to stumble and it what causes us to pull us away from Christ and follow the world and so by God's grace you know he gave me time I just started taking those things out of my life and started to build more time in my in the word and believe it, it makes it's a world of difference maker you know and so those that who are continuing to sin um, just you know look to God just ask God listen God I know that you saved me and I know I did not live my life the way that you should be I'm really sorry I repent I turn away Lord help me to identify those things that are causing me to stumble and not living for you help me to remove those ways and just remove those things away from your life and what's cool about that is you realize that you have more time with God with prayer with word and worship and when you start making a habit of doing it daily your spirit's gonna get to the point where it's gonna be like very impulsive like it wants to talk to God right away like the moment your feet hit the floor after waking up from sleeping your spirit's like thank you God thank you for God for giving me another day Thank you, God, for allowing me to live. Thank you, God, for the roof over my home. And that's cool because before, you know, we wake up, we spend in the world. We're so full of things in the world. We're so worried about, you know, not having enough money, not having enough clothes, our jobs, you know, am I having enough to make it tomorrow? And you're so filled with this garbage of worrying. And Jesus very clearly tells us, don't worry about tomorrow. <laughs> my father, he's got it. He's got you covered. He knows what you need long before you even know what you need. So God's already got you covered. And we can't see that when our eyes is covered in darkness. And the only way we can remove the things that are dark is remove the things that causes us to have darkness. You know, so we just need to, you know, say, Lord, I'm sorry, Lord. I repent. I turn away. Lord, help me to live for you. I want to live for you. I want to honor and glorify you. You're a holy God. And help me to be holy because you commanded me to be holy. Only way for me to stand in front of your presence is for me to be holy. Only way that we can be holy is by receiving Jesus and believing in him. When we receive and believe in Jesus, it is Jesus that makes us holy and righteousness. And we want to live in that. We want to live in that. We want to live in the spirit and not in the flesh. All right. Well, again, I'd like to thank you guys for taking time of listening. And I will try to do this at least once a month. I mean, there may be times where I may do it like once a week and other times I may do it every other week or once a month. But after this video, there'll be three videos on John Borman Evangelism Ministry and you can just type it out on YouTube and you can look at the channel, check it out and spread God's word. And thank you for your time.